You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Hoist of Colors podcast. I am your host, Stephen Igo. I said on our last pod, it would probably be the last time we really talked baseball in 2022, at least this summer. Well, I lied because we're going to have Cliff Goblin on the show. Our annual sit-down review of the 2022 season where we recap the Super Regional, the Regional, the Conference Championships, regular season and postseason, and much more. So about a 20-minute conversation with Coach Goblin who just wrapped up, hard to believe it, year number eight at ECU, going into year number nine, despite some interest from some schools out there that was well-documented, Clemson and uh, Florida State still has an opening, but probably going to hire Link Jarrett from Notre Dame once they finish up the run of the College World Series. But Cliff Goblin going into year number nine has led ECU to four consecutive regional championships, still knocking on the door of Omaha and the College World Series, which we'll talk about, of course, and a whole lot more. We're going to get into the personnel of this past year's team, talk about some of the things going into next year, some incoming draft guys. Cliff Goblin also told us that a few key pitchers, you'll hear it in the interview, but Garrett Saylor, C.J. Mayhew, and Carter Spivey will all be returning next year. We also talk about Zach Agnos, his future uh, we discussed some of the guys who have entered the transfer portal and what Coach Goblin's philosophy will be as far as adding guys via the transfer portal this offseason. So, a lot to do on the other side. You'll hear our conversation with Coach Cliff Goblin when we return after these messages. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Well, Coach, I guess a week removed now, a, few, a week and a few hours, because y'all finished Monday at 3 a.m. or whatever. Um, just your thoughts on, on the season that was, and when you look back at it, now that you've kind of had a week to to look at everything in detail, what's kind of your thoughts on the, the 2022 ECU baseball season? Well, a huge success. I mean, a lot of people have 
either, you know, text me immediately after we lost or, you know, taking a few days to, you know, let me kind of get through what I was feeling. But I'm at more peace of the way this season was than any season we've ever had just because of where we started being 14 and 13. And then, of course, winning the conference regular season, most wins by any, you know, team, you know, tied the 2019 team with 20 wins. I know we did it in uh, 21, but we were playing four games a weekend. So, in my opinion, what this group did and what the 19 group did, and I guess Louisville did it one year, um, really special. And then win the conference tournament, which no other team in the American has ever done. Hosting a regional, winning a regional, uh, hosting a super regional here on campus for the first time. Um, and the memories that I'll have from that with the guys that came back, of course, my errors, but even rekindling a, re a relationship with Ben Sanderson after we won the regional. Uh, obviously, I was in a tough situation when I got hired here, and one of my former teammates uh, who I was super close with in college, not retaining him, and of course he um, you know, wanted to stay, so that wasn't a, a good situation. But that's what I told our guys on Monday a week ago from today was the impact they had on so many people and bringing people together and, you know, mending that relationship with Ben and I, which that means more to me than going to the College World Series or any amount of money that some other school could offer me. That That's special and um, huge success. Not a disappointment, not a what if for me. I know everybody wants to talk about game two. And, of course, uh, even our players, you know, Hoover and J.C. talk about their, their two moments. Uh, Hoover, you know, getting back picked and how he's replayed that over in his head a thousand times, you know. And J.C. feeling the ball go off his pinky that, you know, he probably makes that catch 99 out of 100 times. And um, so, but that's why we're good is because those guys care, you know. And I said, look, that wasn't the only two plays in that game that, you know, made us – um, come out a little bit short, um, but just super proud of our guys and what our program stands for. You look back at the the showcase on national TV hosting the Super Regional. Like, I mean, it got a lot of pub, the Pirate uh, Nation, the Jungle. Like, what type of feedback have you gotten from recruits? I mean, that's got to be a, a good recruiting thing, and just to showcase Pirate Nation like that. I think a lot of people realize ECU is a big baseball culture, but until they see it, maybe it takes it to another level. To be honest with you, I hadn't talked to a ton of recruits about it. I'm sure Coach Palumbo and Coach Knight have, but I know what our players felt and, you know, what they can say. And, look, I mean, it was all over social media. And I've said this, and I'll continue to say it. I've coached in bigger venues at SEC schools. It does not get any louder than it was on Friday and Saturday at Clark LeClaire. I mean, it's deafening on the field. It's super, um, you know, intense. The fans are on top of you. It's really hard for the other team to uh, just play here. And, look, if we'd have played at Texas, I don't know if we'd have won a game. But I know that playing in front of our home crowd helped us win one game. And we took them, uh, you know, into the eighth with a, a lead and, uh, you know, game two. So I'm just thankful for Pirate Nation. You mentioned game two. And, you know, looking back at that, it's not like, you know, you mentioned the, the Hoover play early and the Jenkins Coward play, which was an easy play. But it's not like y'all made a bunch of errors down the stretch. Like, they just hit your, your best guys. Terwilliger, I think, may, may have had a double play ball on the one. He just moved his leg. Yeah. Uh, just, like, when you look at that game, is it at least, you mentioned being at peace, does that aspect of it, like, they just kind of beat you guys head to head, uh, make you sleep a little bit better? Well, and we're bad. We're bad. bad like, we're a bad matchup. I mean, if you look at it on paper, uh, Spivey and Sailor are better against lefties than they are righties. Uh, so is Ryder. Um 
and uh, it, it just you know winds blowing out makes our park play small. Um, of course, some of the, the home runs we hit they'd have gone anywhere, but um, it's a game of inches. And no, I, I like I said, I can lay my head down at night and, and know that we put our best foot forward and. Texas was better than us you know as close as we were they just were a little bit better than us you guys uh, made it to that point without a starting rotation basically <laughs> at the end of the year Mayhew was kind of the only guy we knew it was like all right he's going to start somewhere I mean how do you describe what you and coach Knight went through from that aspect and then to kind of manage it how you did um, how do you put that into words well it's obviously something that we never have wanted to do or had to be put in that situation but it is what it, or it was what it, it was at the time, and um, we just talked to the pitchers about, um, look, everybody's a closer. If you start the game, your job is to close out the first inning. If that's only two innings of work, so be it. I mean, there were times where we'd go to the bullpen in the first inning and just piece it together, but it took the pitching staff to actually buy into it. And in a time where I'm sure that there was a lot of naysayers out there, I appreciate our guys trusting us to be put in those roles and uh, really, everybody was just super selfless, and we were able to maneuver through it. And um, by the end, it was like normal. You know, right. everybody was like, oh, this is the way it works. And uh, it was cool to be a part of. And uh, hopefully we'll have a, a little bit better, you know, rotation next year, which I think we will for sure because we got some veteran guys coming back. When you look at guys like Sailor and Spivey, like, I feel like they can start. Is it? almost a mental thing at this point as far as maybe making that switch or flipping that switch to be a starter if they, they end up coming back next year? Well, no, they're coming back. Those two, Spivey and Sailor and, and Mayhew, those guys are coming back. And, look, that's, you know, early season projection. I'd put those three guys in the rotation. And I've already talked to, to Spivey and Sailor specifically of that's what we want. You know, and Spivey developed himself into a really good reliever, but he can start. I mean, you saw that in the Coastal game. And, you know, he needs to, to work on his fastball command a little bit to get him off the cutter and if he could get that change up, which he had a change up two years ago, just to get lefties something fading away from him instead of everything cutting in. He's got a chance to be a real dude for us, you know, as a starter. So we're excited about him and Sailor and Mayhew for sure. With with all the guys that are coming into this recruiting class, we talked about a little bit before this, but how much of a challenge is it to try and figure out your roster with the incoming guys, the portal? I mean, trying to figure out how to manage 35 guys and 27 of those on scholarship. I assume that's still the numbers. Um, and, and try to work all that out when still a lot is in the balance. Well, number one, the NCAA did us no uh, justice. They gave us some relief the first two years after COVID with roster size and the number of counters. So right now, and I'll be honest with you, and we still haven't got it all figured out, but um, we're below the 11.7, but we're not at 27 counters. So I've got a couple more uh, phone calls I got to make and we just got to figure it out but it's sad that we actually have more scholarship money that we cannot give to any other because of that 27 counter number so um, 27 on scholarship 35 on our roster you know before the day before we open up the season in 23 you can have more than 35 in the fall um, so right now the way our roster is we got about 38 39 players um, on the roster and we got to 
maneuver through a couple of guys to figure out how we can uh, get them off scholarship and maybe you know double them up however that might work uh, down the road but that's just sad that that's the the situation we're in and then plus you got the draft which I think we're in good shape with the draft um, but of course we've got a couple of incoming guys um, that could if they wanted to sign could sign but I feel like we're in pretty good shape. If you can, I know maybe you want to see them here and perform, but as far as this incoming class, how would you sum it up? What are the strengths of it? Are any guys in particular very highly recruited uh, from your perspective? Yeah, there's some guys in there highly recruited. I told Jake Hunter, Ryan McChrystal, Merritt Beaker, the one thing I learned is I would never brag about freshmen so um, until they do it in the spring because, no offense, J.C. was not talked about at all in the fall, and then he had an unbelievable – uh, spring season, in my opinion, and this is no uh, no uh, slight to a Josh Moylan, a Thomas Francisco, or a Brickhouse, but or Burley, but I think it was the best freshman year of any of those left-handed hitters, in my opinion, the totality of it, but especially where he came from because we didn't talk about him. Um, but those other guys, I told him, and, and that's no offense to them either, but you know it's different. You know when you have success in the fall, uh, you got to be able to do it in the spring and. I know I was like a career 200 hitter in the fall, um, which you'd rather do that than, than do that in the spring. So, But, uh, no, it's a very talented class, and there's a lot of – there's some pitching depth in there, position player depth. Um, so, But, hey, you'll come out to fall practice, hopefully. You can evaluate it for yourself. Yeah, I, we we heard very little about J.C. last fall, like you said, and he went on to have a, a huge year. So you just never know, man. Um, when you look at – center field next year do you see hoover as a guy who could slide over like i know riley johnson's a guy who could come back how do you kind of maybe look at that role with with bryson leading i would say hoover riley johnson luke nowak i know we didn't see a lot of luke nowak but he's he's only been up there for a week playing summer ball but i think he's like seven for 14 two stolen bases just a guy that um just took a while for him his feet to get underneath him, so to speak. So, but I feel good about you know one of those three guys being able to uh, fill that role. Some guys have hit the portal from from your roster. I mean, you look across college baseball; it's crazy right now. Are you a coach who do you look into the portal now to see if any guys can fit this team or with the roster as it is? Do you see you know not adding anybody in the portal? Well, number one, we'll never build our roster on the portal. Okay, so. You can't, in my opinion, have culture and take five, six guys out of the portal every. Not at East Carolina. If you want to, you know, be at a, when I say a bigger school and just get ten guys, but you can't have a team aspect. You just better be so talented where it doesn't matter. That's my opinion. Of course, there's situations where I think guys, uh, you know, it's in best interest for them to to go somewhere else. Um, a lot of people made a big deal about Ryder publicly Ryder and I were texting this morning we've got a great relationship when Ryder and I met I told him thank I thought thanked him for everything he's done here and um, I said look man for one time I want you to do what's best for you whatever's best for you if you know going somewhere else is best for you then I will support you and pull for you every uh, second of the way unless you're playing against the Pirates then I'm not going to pull for you but uh, you know I just I wanted him to to do you know on his own terms and he went home talked to his parents and they thought that was best for him and um you know i support him for that and um that being said it's no different than the draft i mean we're gonna be good next year and we're gonna survive this and uh, we wish Ryder the best of luck you look at a couple of freshmen who like you mentioned earlier mccrystal and jay hunter they got their feet wet this year like that jump from year one to year two 
in your in your time as the head of this program, like how much of a jump can a guy make if they buy in going into that year or two? Well, Ryan McChrystal made a ton of progress uh, towards the end of the year, and you guys can't see it because you're not at practice every day. You're not seeing the pitcher versus hitter. Uh, I think his first at bat in his summer ball was an RBI. So um, he looks so much better. He's gotten better behind the plate. I mean, look, he's going to be pushing for that starting role for sure behind the plate and a guy that can hit the middle part of our lineup. Um, he had some growing up to do, um, I mean, you know, maturity-wise, as did Merritt Beaker and Jake Hunter. Um, and Jake probably had the most success out of all of them in spurts this year, but the game's hard. You know, Merritt Beaker had a lot of success in the fall and then, had some arm soreness, and then J.C. ran over him in a, a rundown in the preseason, had some knee soreness, and then confidence got rattled. But we saw in spurts late in the year what he could be. Um, so, you know, really excited about those three guys for sure and others that have been in our program that continue to get better. You look at the years Zach had, and I always had to remind myself about the, the tragedy that happened in fall because, like, watching him play baseball, you forgot about it, you know. And I even shot him a text yesterday for Father's Day you know, saying, like, I know it's a tough day for you. So when you look at a year he had with everything going on, I mean, how do you sum up just how he handled everything? I, I, I don't know how to sum it up. I don't think you can do this in an interview. Um, but one of the coolest moments of my life was I got a text from Zach yesterday and I got a phone call from Jake Agnos. And uh, I just thought it was awesome that the we had the Nico patch. Every time I would pull up like a post-game interview, not just of myself, whoever you guys were interviewing, you always saw the Nico patch. And I knew when we were 14 and 13, and, and I've said this a lot, like my faith kept me uh, at peace this year a lot, but I just was like, there's no way that we're going to have Nico on the side of our hat and have a bad year. Like, there's just no way. I know what that dude's up there, you know, talking to God, like, hey, man, we got to figure out what get the Pirates going. And, and I'm just so happy that we were able to win the regional at home with Nico watching from above and hosting that super regional. No, we didn't get to the College World Series, but to that family, it just meant so much. And uh, what he did, I mean, look, I couldn't have done it. I don't know how he did it, but I think it's because Zach is a person of faith, too, and he's got a lot of people like Webb Tendall and others that have helped him continue to stay faithful to God and just get through all these really, really tough days that he's had um, since the fall. You talked about the, the challenges you face personally. I don't know if you want to get into that at all. Uh, is that something you're willing to open up on? Yeah, I mean, look, some of it I'm not going to open up on, but a lot of it had to do with the fall with Nico um, passing and then me getting COVID and just feeling like crap, like not just, I mean, pretty much. I mean, look, I would say a, a mild form of, like, depressed um, and having to – just keep putting one f foot in front of the other each and every day and because I owed it to the guys and our staff and you know once we got through Christmas I, w I was good and then um, you know just the season starting out the way it did and just the wizen hunt stuff and you know there were some guys that were selfish in the locker room early and I'm like how can you be selfish at a time like this we need everybody and just to be able to maneuver through all that and um, Cooch Manor you know being hurt for the last two months of the season um, pretty much. I mean, there was a lot of things, and I just was so proud of our guys that they just kept showing up and doing what they needed to do. Knock on wood, hopefully y'all don't have that much adversity in a year again. But, like, when you look as a as a coaching staff, if y'all can overcome that, and as a team, I mean, that's got to give you a lot of confidence in, in what you guys have built here, though, to overcome all that stuff, Wisenhunt going down, uh, you know, two days before the season and all that stuff. 
Yeah, look, I, I, I don't wish that the stuff we had to go through early on, but if I had to do that again to get where we ended up, I'd do it. <laughs> I'd do it every day. It's not fun. It's not fun to navigate, but we'd do it again if we had to. Uh, for next year, when you look at Agnos, and we talked about him personally, do you see a scenario where he could go pro as of right now, or is that something that's still being being talked about amongst uh, with the draft process coming up? Yeah, I mean, that's the tough thing now with the draft being whatever it is, July 17th is, you know, our, our freshmen and our incoming guys are reporting they're going to be here on Wednesday. And um, some of them have obviously uh, – an opportunity if they wanted to sign it, but they're in summer school. It's just crazy to me um, the way that is. But that's the way MLB runs it. We don't get a, a voice in that. But Zach, we, if Zach wanted to play pro ball for you know a very minimal amount, he, he definitely he could. Um, I think a lot of teams look at him as more of a pitcher in their minds, which. Uh, I'm not a professional scout, but I think that's crazy because I think he brings a lot of value um, as a position player. And you know, I text him. I was actually watching the the Texas game, uh, game one in the World Series, and they were talking about Melendez and how he, uh, I think, was drafted in the 11th or 18th round last year, and he bet on himself. And I just texted Zach. I said, "Hey, Melendez bet on himself and made himself a lot of money." So, um, and and Zach was like, "He sure did." So, those are the conversations we're having. Um, and look, when it comes down to it, Zach will definitely lean on me and, and Lee, on of course Jake and. Um, you know, we'll make the best decision for Zach and, and for East Carolina baseball together. So, um, but I, I want him to be, be back if you're asking me. So we'd love to have him back. Yeah, it's got two years of eligibility left with the COVID deal. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Josh Moreland, it seemed like it was just a, a year where he could never maybe find that consistency from, from day one that he had as a freshman. And I don't know if some of that's mental as, as well as uh, you know just the, the challenges of baseball. But what did you what did you see from Josh this year on the diamond? Well, Josh and I and Coach Palumbo had a really good talk uh, last week, uh, and he would he'd be honest with you. Look, he just let the game beat him up, and it just you know at times was miserable for him mentally. And um, I, Franny was the piece that really kept him steady, Eddie. You know, as a freshman and. But I think this was a great learning experience for him. He's set to go up to the Cape um, at the end of this week coming up. So I want him to go up there and get at bats. But uh, he's got a chance to play the game for a long time, uh, as we know, when he's he's right. So we need to just make sure he's in a good, clear headspace. And when he's that, then I mean, the rest still take care of itself. And another guy that impressed me down the stretch was Starlin. I mean, he just seemed to have some clutch moments. And, and the, the moment wasn't too big for him. Just This was his first year really playing a lot. Now he was coming off a difficult injury. Just what did you think of Starlin's year? Yeah, I, I thought it was really good to start with, and I thought there was, you know, the middle part, which I thought he physically and mentally got tired. And, look, he's still not 100%. He actually was scheduled to go play summer ball, but we're not letting him go play summer ball. We're holding him back here so he can get that leg 100% healthy. Um I probably thought that the injury would uh, recover quicker than probably what uh, maybe – we should have. I don't know. I mean, that's just the information we we're getting. But you know, for him to be in like on crutches and then a walking boot, he, he just he still was running funny. He was like favoring that side at the end of the season. So, but he definitely had some clutch moments, especially in the postseason. And if you look, I mean, he had some of his best games when the uh, you know it was on the line, so yeah. to speak. And uh, that home run he hit to tie the game in game two. I mean, that that was pretty special. He'll never forget that. Lastly, when you look at kind of the weeks ahead for you, 
you know, what's your big uh, big goals at the head coach's program? Obviously, are you diagnosing what's going on in the summer ball? Are you trying to put the finishing pieces on this roster? I don't know if you're looking into the portal to add any pieces. Like, do you kind of do a little bit of everything? We do a little bit of everything, but uh, you know, I won't be out recruiting as much. Um, we'll have a couple visits here in the next couple weeks, but um, you know, I head out for the Team USA on June 28th, and I'll be with them for about three weeks and. Like I mentioned this earlier, but Zach will be there for the trial, so that'll be cool. So at least have another pirate there for the trial. So and that's four straight years of a pirate being a part of the USA stuff. Um, but the portal for us, I mean, look, we might add a guy here and there once a year. We got a pitcher um, already committed to us uh, from the portal, but I mean, one guy, maybe two, most a year. That's and we're not gonna, you know, build our program like I said. So. Um, but getting the freshmen settled is a big thing, and then the older guys that will be back with them um, here working out and just you know getting with Coach Wilson, getting six hours of school underneath their belt, learning the study hall aspect, just getting them diving into our culture. That's the biggest thing for me right now. Jeff and um, Coach Knight and then you know Coach Blackman will take my spot on the road recruiting when, when I'm with USA, so they'll be out and about recruiting a whole lot. Plus camps. So camps, yeah. yeah, camps. So Colby, will, Colby's getting married uh, oh, yeah. July second. So uh, Blake's going to have to help him run camps because he'll be uh, getting married and honeymoon. So the right. biggest part of his job, he gets uh, to go uh, on his honeymoon instead of do that. Right. So Blake's taking the uh, strain on that. That is head coach Cliff Goblin. That'll do it for the Hoisty Colors podcast. Again, thanks to Coach Goblin who uh, was busy with media responsibilities today, also did an interview with Pirate Radio as well as 94.3 The Game. But hopefully we provide a little bit different perspective with some of the personnel questions, in-depth stuff that um, you maybe can't hear anywhere else. So a lot of that stuff will be in written form on hoistacolors.net in the coming days. We'll also have some VIP information up on the roster heading into the draft, heading into next year's projections, a lot of recruiting discussion as well. So uh, looking forward to continued baseball coverage throughout the remainder of the summer. But that'll do it for the HTC Podcast. We'll talk with you guys next time.